Well, good evening. Merry Christmas. There we go. It's so great to see all of you here to celebrate our Christmas Eve together. And tonight, we're just, we're excited. This is a family service. All the kids are here together uh, with the adults. And, and being that we have a room full of all ages, uh, we just expect that tonight there's going to be some talking going on around you, some laughter, some squeaking, some crying, some whatever. Just imagine you're in a stable just for the evening. We're excited about what what it means to be together on Christmas Eve, and we hope that you're excited about that as well. Tonight, we're going to tell the story of Christmas, and we're excited about being able to walk through God's plan. But as we do, I just want to encourage you that when there's a song being sung that you know, sing along. Worship the King with us. Uh, when there's something on the screen to be read out loud, uh, and you'll be encouraged to do so, read along with us. Uh, when it's time to just listen, just sit in a moment of reverence and, and, and let that wash over you as we come to honor the Christ child, Jesus. And uh, tonight, this is the way our story begins. God wrote, I love you. He wrote it in the sky and on the earth and under the sea. God put it into words, too. He wrote it in a book called the Bible. The Bible isn't a book of rules telling you what you should and shouldn't do, and it's not a book of heroes showing you people you should copy. The Bible does have rules, and there are heroes, but the Bible isn't mainly about you and what you should or shouldn't be doing. It's about God and what He has done. The Bible is most of all a story. The best thing about this story is, it's true. It's the story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. And at the center of the story, there is a baby. And every story in the Bible whispers the baby's name. This is the child upon whom everything would depend. This is the child who would one day, but wait, wait. Our story starts where all good stories start, right at the very beginning. Nothing to hear, nothing to feel, nothing to see. Only emptiness and darkness and nothing but nothing. But God was there and God had a wonderful plan. I'll take this emptiness, God said, and I'll fill it up. Out of the darkness, I'm going to make light. And out of the nothing, I'm going to make everything. God hovered over the deep, silent darkness. Then God spoke, and out of nothing came the light. The land and the sky, the trees and the creatures, the sun and the moon. Piece by piece, he created our world, and he knew that it was good. But God saved the best for last. From the beginning, God had a shining dream in his heart. He would make people, his children, and the world would be their perfect home. So God breathed life into Adam and Eve. When they opened their eyes, the first thing they saw was God's face. And when God saw them, he was like a new dad. You look like me, he said. You are the most beautiful thing I've ever made. God loved them with all his heart and their hearts were filled with happiness. Nothing ever made them sad or lonely or afraid. God looked at everything he made. Perfect, he said. 
and it was. But all the stars and the mountains and the oceans and the galaxies and everything were nothing compared to how much God loved his children. He would move heaven and earth to be near them, always. Whatever happened, whatever it cost him, he would always love them. And so it was that the wonderful love story Was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay, in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep. Let's sing Noel together.
Adam and Eve lived happily together in their beautiful new home. And everything was perfect until it wasn't. Until the day when everything went wrong. God had a horrible name. His name was Satan. Satan had once been the most beautiful angel. But he didn't want to be just an angel. He wanted to be God. He grew proud and evil and full of hate. And God had to send him out of heaven. Satan was seething with anger and looking for a way to hurt God. He wanted to stop God's plan, stop this love story right there. So he disguised himself as a snake and waited in the garden. Now God had given Adam and Eve only one rule. Don't eat the fruit on that tree, God told them. Because if you do, you'll think you know everything. You'll stop trusting me, and then death and sadness and tears will come. As soon as the snake saw his chance, he slithered silently up to God. Does God really love you? The serpent whispered. If he does, why won't he let you eat the nice, juicy, delicious fruit? Poor you. Perhaps God doesn't want you to be happy. The snake's words hissed in her ears and sunk down deep into her heart like poison. Does God love me? Eve wondered. Suddenly she didn't know anymore. Just trust me, the serpent whispered. You don't need God. One small taste, that's all. And you'll be happier than you could ever dream. Eve took the fruit and ate some. And Adam ate some too. And a terrible lie came into the world. It would never leave. It would live on in every human heart, whispering to every one of God's children, God doesn't love them. And it wasn't a dream. It was a nightmare. And terrible pain came into God's heart. His children hadn't just broken the one rule. They had broken God's heart. And now he knew everything else would break. God's creation would start to unravel and come undone and go wrong. From now on, everything would die, even though it was all supposed to last forever. Well, in another story, it would all be over, and that would have been the end. But not in this story. God loved his children too much to let the story end there. Even though he knew he would suffer, God had a plan. A magnificent dream. One day, he would get his children back. You see, no matter what, in spite of everything, God would love his children with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Before they left the garden, God whispered a promise to Adam and Eve. I will come to rescue you. And when I do, I'm going to do battle against the snake. I'll get rid of the sin and the dark and the sadness you let into it. I'm coming back. And he would. One day, God himself would come.
rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. For hundreds and thousands of years, God's children continued to break his heart, but he never left them. Their love and faithfulness to him changed like the tides on a beach. But his love, well, it was more steady than the beat of the best drummer. His love never stopped when they thought they didn't need him. His love never gave up when they worshipped other gods. His love never broke when they questioned every one of his special rules for them. Through slavery, wandering, fighting, questioning, captivity, freedom, war, peace, his love was always and forever. There was once a man called Isaiah, and his name meant God to the rescue. You see, Isaiah's job was to listen to God and to tell people what he heard. Now, God let Isaiah know a secret. God was going to mend his broken world. He showed Isaiah his secret rescue plan, Operation No More Tears. This is the message God gave Isaiah. It was like a letter God wrote to his children. Dear little flock, You're all wandering away from me like sheep in an open field. You have always been running away from me, and now you're lost. You can't find your way back, but I can't stop loving you. I will come to find you. So I'm sending you a shepherd to look after you and to love you, to carry you home to me. You've been stumbling around like people in a dark room, but into the darkness a bright light will shine. It will chase away all the shadows like sunshine. A little baby will be born, a royal son. His mother will be a young girl who doesn't have a husband. His name will be Emmanuel, which means God has come to live with us. He is one of King David's children's children's children, the Prince of Peace. Yes, someone is going to come and rescue you, but he won't be who anyone expects. He will be a king, but he won't live in a palace, and he won't have lots of money. He'll be poor. He will be a servant, but this king will heal the whole world. He'll be a hero. He will fight for his people and rescue them from their enemies, but he won't have big armies, and he won't fight with swords. He will make the blind see. He will make the lame leap like deer. He will make everything the way it always meant to be. But people will hate him, and they won't listen to him. He will be like a lamb. He will suffer and die. It's the secret rescue plan we made from the before the beginning of the world. It's the only way to get back. You, but he won't stay dead. I will make him alive again. And one day when he comes back to rule forever, the mountains and trees will dance and sing for joy. The earth will shout out loud. His fame will fill the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. Everything sad will come untrue. Even death is going to die. And he will wipe away every tear from every eye. Yes, the rescuer will come. Look for him. Watch for him. Wait for him. He will come, I promise. Poor Isaiah, he read God's letter over and over to God's people But no one listened to him. 
They didn't want to hear God's promise. They didn't believe it. Did it sound maybe too good to be true? A story that ends happily ever after? Well, it does sort of sound like a fairy tale, doesn't it? And as anyone will quickly tell you, fairy tales aren't true. Or are they? Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins. Release us, let us find our rest in
Eventually, the people remembered how God had always, all through the years, been loving his children, keeping his promise to Abraham, taking care of them, forgiving them, even when they disobeyed, even when they ran away from him, even when they thought they didn't need him. Then God told his children something more. I can't stop loving you. You are my heart's treasure, but I lost you. And now I'm coming back for you. I am like the sun that gently shines on you, chasing away darkness and fear and death. You'll be so happy. You'll be like little calves running free in an open field. I'm going to send my messenger, the promised one, the one you have been waiting for, the rescuer. He is coming, so get ready. It had taken centuries for God's people to be ready, but now the time had almost come for the best part of God's plan. God himself was going to come, not to punish his people, but to rescue them. God was getting ready to wipe away every tear from every eye, and the true party was just about to begin. 400 years of silence. Seemed like God didn't say a thing. Even 40 seconds of waiting was strange and awkward to us. But for God, it was just a moment of anticipation. But now, everything was ready. The moment God had been waiting for was here at last. God was coming to help his people just as he promised in the beginning. But how would he come? What would he be like? What would he, what would he do? The mountains, they would have bowed down and the seas would have roared and trees would have clapped their hands. But the earth held its breath. As silent as snow falling, he came in. And when no one was looking, in the darkness, he came. There was a young girl who was engaged to a man named Joseph. And Joseph was the great, 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 great grandson of King David. One morning, this girl was minding her own business when suddenly a great warrior of light appeared right there in her bedroom. He was Gabriel, and he was an angel, a special messenger from heaven. And Mary was frightened. You don't need to be scared, Gabriel said. God is very happy with you. You're going to have a baby, a little boy, and you will call him Jesus. He is God's own son. He's the one. He's the rescuer. The God who flung planets into space and kept them whirling around and around. The God who made the universe with just a word. The one who could do anything at all was making himself small and coming down as a baby. But it's too wonderful, Mary said, and felt her heart beating hard. How can it be true? Is anything too wonderful for God? Gabriel asked. So Mary trusted God more than what her eyes could see, and she believed. I am God's servant, she said. Whatever God says, I will do. And then Mary sang a song of praise to the Lord. So please join me in reading this song of praise. This is from Luke chapter 1, 46 through 55. 
Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Nine months later, Mary was almost ready to have her baby. Now Mary and Joseph had to take a trip to Bethlehem, the town King David was from. But when they reached the little town, they found that every room was full and every bed was taken. Go away, the innkeeper told them. There isn't a place for you. They couldn't find anywhere except for an old, tumbled-down stable. And there in the stable, amongst the chickens and the donkeys and the cows, in the quiet of the night, God gave the world his wonderful gift. The baby that would change the world was born. His baby son, Mary and Joseph, wrapped, wrapped him up to keep him warm. And they made a soft bed of straw and used the animal's feeding trough as his cradle. They gazed in wonder at God's great gift, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Mary and Joseph named him Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God has come to live with us. Because, of course, he had. Suddenly, a bright new star appeared. Of all the stars in the dark, vaulted heavens, this one shone clear. It blazed in the night and made the other stars look pale beside it. God put it there when his baby son was born, to be like a spotlight. You see, God was like a new dad. He couldn't keep the good news to himself. He'd been waiting all these long years for this moment, and now he wanted to tell everyone. That night, some shepherds were out in the open fields, warming themselves by a campfire, when suddenly the sheep darted. They turned around. Standing in front of them was a huge warrior of light blazing in the darkness. Don't be afraid of me, the bright, shiny man said. I haven't come to hurt you. I've come to bring you happy news for everyone everywhere. Today, in David's town in Bethlehem, God's son has been born. You can go see him. He is sleeping in a manger. Behind the angel, they saw a strange glowing cloud, except it wasn't a cloud. It was angels, troops and troops of angels, armed with light, and they were singing a beautiful song. Glory to God, to God be fame and honor in all of our hoorays. Then as quickly as they appeared, the angels left. The shepherds stamped out their fire, left their sheep, raced down the grassy hill, through the gates of Bethlehem, down the narrow cobble streets until at last they reached a tumbled-down stable. They caught their breath, then quietly they tiptoed inside. They knelt on the dirt floor, 
They had heard about this promised child, and now he was here. Heaven's son, the maker of stars, a baby sleeping in, her, in his mother's arms. The baby would be like the bright star shining in the sky at night, a light to light up the whole world, chasing away darkness, helping people see. And the darker the night got, the brighter the star would shine.
course, the story doesn't end with a baby in a manger. That baby grew up to become the great rescue, the king of all people, the savior of the world. But in that moment, in that tiny town, in the tumble-down stable, heaven broke through the silence. Read this promise with me. Because God loves us with a never-stopping, never-giving-up, unbreaking, always and forever love, heaven is breaking through. He is sending us a light from heaven to shine on us like the sun, to shine on those who live in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So Jesus grew up. And one day, he walked down to a river where a man named John was baptizing people who knew uh, that they needed to be rescued. Jesus asked John to baptize them as well. And when he was plunged into the water, heaven itself opened up. A beautiful light broke through the clouds, and a voice came down from heaven. It was clear and strong and loud, so everyone could hear This is my own son, and I love him. I am very pleased with him, it said. Listen to him. Heaven had broken through. Jesus was God's perfect plan from the very beginning. Since the terrible lie in the garden, through the wandering and fighting and doubt, after 400 years of silence, the great rescue had begun. place tonight to tell the story again. And from the beginning, the story was about a person. It was about a gift that God gave to us, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And now as in this telling of the story, we get to tell the story by taking the emblems that Jesus left for us uh, to tell the story with. And so I'm going to give you a few thoughts uh, before we share communion Um, But before I do that, I want to uh, give you some instructions on how this is going to go so that we uh, do this as smoothly as possible. There is a station in front of each major section in our room. And so we would like, if you're sitting in that section, just go to the table in front of you. If we get to a point where there's an open table, please, you know, go to wherever is fastest. But initially, let's uh, go to the table in front of your section. And here's how we'll do this. We will uh, come up the, uh, the, the two side aisles that are, that are pointed towards the steps, okay, and go to your table, and then we'll go back to our seats by way of the very center aisle and the extreme outer aisles, and that will ensure that the traffic goes in the same direction so we don't have a collision anywhere, okay? And one thing that we love is uh, for families to take communion together, and we would love for you to do that. There's plenty of opportunity to do that. If you'll just all get your emblems and then step away from the table, find an open area, and you can congregate and take communion together. Let me um, center on Jesus a little bit to prepare our hearts tonight. Of all that we do at Christmas time, the centerpiece, it seems, is the giving of gifts. That's what we do at Christmas. And the way we give gifts at Christmas time is totally unique. 
Uh, all the other times of the year, there are, there are times we give gifts, right? There, there's birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, maybe a wedding that you go to or an anniversary or some other special occasion. And, and when those kind of gifts are given, what we do is we show up to that place and uh, we give a gift to one person, the birthday person, or we give a gift to the couple that's getting married or having the anniversary. Um, at none of those times do we ever show up with everybody prepared to give a gift to everyone else. It just doesn't work like that. And yet, that's exactly what we do at Christmas. We, we have shopping lists that are a mile long. Anybody? Yes? And um, it equates to you get a gift, and 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 everybody gets a gift and until we're uh, you know, knee-deep in wrapping paper. That's how Christmas goes. Why do we give gifts this way? Why do we all get in a room and give everybody gifts? It's because it highlights the central truth of Christmas that we have been given a gift. The text in Isaiah that we've spent a few weeks looking at is Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Given. It's a gift. When Paul describes this idea of Jesus being a gift, he says, um, well, he can't even come up with the word to describe it. He, he writes that Jesus is an inexpressible gift, an unspeakable gift. He, he says, thanks be to God for Jesus, the indescribable gift. Jesus Christ came into the world, but the way he came was as a gift. And all of the gift giving that we do impresses that up upon us once again, that, that Jesus did not just come, but he came wrapped up in, in a bow as a gift to us. For God so loved the world, that's what the scripture says, that he gave, yeah, his only begotten son. And Isaiah tells us that, and John tells us that, and the apostle Paul tells us that. Even Jesus himself says, they all testify that Jesus is God's gift us. So the question tonight as we come around the table is this, what do you do with a gift? What do you do with a gift? I want to tell you about um, one of my recent gifts. I got a gift card to a local restaurant, right? And when I unwrapped the gift card, I thought, oh man, this is great, goody. I can't wait to use this because uh, this particular restaurant has really good food, and, uh, and I, I can't wait. I mean, uh, this is a great gift. And so what did I do with that gift? I did what a lot of us do exactly with a gift like that. I put it in a drawer out of sight for safekeeping, and I thought, there will be a day, right? There will be a day where this will be nice. Maybe our kids will be back. And, and together with their families, and we'll all go to this place, and maybe I'll use it then. Or maybe my birthday's coming up, and so maybe I could use it then. Or Amy's birthday's coming up, and maybe when, when we use it, if we use it on our birthday, maybe I'll venture from the corner of the menu that we like to try to stay with because the prices are cheaper, right? Maybe I'll go to other places on the menu and get some of, some of the things that I've always wanted to get. That will be great. I'm definitely going to use this just later. And all of those thoughts went through my head as I carefully put that gift card in a drawer 
to the place that it would not be lost, saved for later, saved for some day. A few weeks went by, and that gift card was still tucked in the drawer, and I happened to overhear a couple of people talking about and having a conversation that uh, a particular restaurant in town might be closed, like permanently. And I realized that it was the very place that my gift card was for. And I got a little nervous. And I was out anyway, so I drove by the place to see for myself. And sure enough, it was empty. There's no workers inside. There's no customers inside. There was a sign on the door that said, man, we're not opening ever again. It was locked up tight. And what they said was true. This conversation that I overheard, this place was shut down for good. And my gift card was still stashed away as safe as it could be right where I had put it, ready for someday. But now I knew that someday would never come. And I felt a little robbed. And then my very next thought was, oh man, what about the person that gave me the gift? I mean, they'll hear about this too, right? And I, I wonder, it, they, they might wonder if I, I got to use the gift or not. And I didn't, okay? And, and it's kind of an anonymous gift. And so maybe now they're feeling a little robbed too because I can't enjoy a nice meal that they wanted for me to have. And this unusable gift card suddenly became a tragedy all the way around. So what do you do with a gift? I'll tell you what I wish I had done with that one. You know it. You know what, where I'm going. You, you'd, you'd think the same way. If I could go back, knowing what I know now, I would take that gift card immediately. I would open it up and I would say, oh man, my goodness, I got to use this right now. And I would round up whoever was available and I would take them to that place and I would take up a booth in that very much open restaurant and I would order some ribs or some burnt ends or probably the ribeye. And I would tell whoever was with me, go ahead, order the salmon. And that's what exactly what I would do. I'd make use of the gift before it ceased to be a gift and instead became a curse. What do you do with a gift? Isaiah tells us that Jesus is a gift giver. The gift of God himself. Jesus is not just some gift card, but he's the ultimate gift. He is the gift. And maybe you're here tonight and, and you're singing the songs about the gift that is given, about the child in the manger, about um, silent night and angels singing and, oh, come let us adore him. But, but really, in your everyday, the rest of the year life, Jesus is kind of tucked away in a drawer like that gift card. And you think to yourself, man, someday I'm going to use that gift. I mean, I know it will be of great benefit. I'm not ignoring it. I'm just not rushing to do anything with it today because I have plenty of time. That will come later someday. And on that day, sometime, that gift would be great. Can I give you the truth that I've learned from my experience? Later never comes. It's always today. It's only ever today. And the only time that you can receive a gift of a son given is today, always and only today. And to say, well, I'll do that someday is just another way of saying that you really don't want the gift. And I want you to think of what kind of message that sends to the one who has given us the gift. What do you do with a gift? Maybe the reason that you would think about 
putting this gift off is because of all the things that have happened in your life. I mean, you've been just about everywhere. You've tried just about everything, and you've concluded that there's no way that God could love somebody in your shoes. I don't know how God could love me, you say. So thanks for the gift, Dusty. I appreciate it. But now is not the right time because I am in no shape at all. I have got to work on myself so later, someday, when, when the day comes that I, I feel a little better about who I am, then I will accept the gift. Maybe God will love me then. And for those who might be thinking this way, I want to point you to yet another truth. You only get expensive gifts from those who love you the most. Acquaintances don't buy you diamond rings. That's not the way it works. Office mates don't buy new cars for the secret Santa gift exchange. That's not the way it works. No one goes to that kind of expense who doesn't also love you to the very depths of who you are. But maybe in your, in your life, and I hope somebody is in your life, that, that does love you that much. Somebody would, if they could, they would give you the diamond ring for Christmas. Somebody, if they could, they would buy you the car at Christmas time, the new car. If, if those kind of things happen to be under your tree, it's because someone on the other side of that gift loves you beyond measure. And so I want you to do something. I want you to look at the expense of this gift that we've been given. The sacrificial cost that God gives here. He doesn't give you a ring. He doesn't give you a car. He gives his only son as a gift to you. Maybe you're sitting here tonight and you say, I don't believe, I don't know that he loves me. I don't know that he could accept me in the shape that I am. But look, he's given his one and only son as a gift to you. He, his son died so that you could live. His son suffered punishment of wrongdoing so that you could be forgiven. His son gave up heaven and endured hell so that you could escape hell and enjoy heaven. So what does that tell you? You don't think God loves you? He loves you more than anyone. And he proves it with his gift. A son given unto us is what Isaiah writes. We could just as well say, a son given unto you. And so what do you do with a gift? Here's what we do with this gift. We accept it. We make use of it. Don't put it in a drawer reserved for a day that will never come. Today, would you accept the gift that God has given in his son, Jesus Christ? It's very simple to do. We just call the man Jesus by the same name that God does. In your heart today, give him the same name that God gives him. He will be called in this text that we've been in. He will be called Wonderful. He will be called Counselor. He will be called Mighty God. He will be called Everlasting Father. He will be called Prince of Peace. He will be called that by somebody. Will it be you? That's the question. We've come to celebrate the child born to us and the son given to us. And we get to do that tonight by coming around the table and having a meal in emblems that Jesus left for us. And it's in these emblems that we proclaim his name. That he is wonderful, that he is the counselor, that he is the mighty God, that he is the everlasting father, that he is the prince of peace, that he is Lord 
that he is Savior, that he is Emmanuel, that he is God with us. So don't put the gifts in the drawer tonight. Don't think, I've got, I've got plenty of time, there's no rush. No, it, today. Accept him today. Believe, repent, be baptized, and celebrate the life that God has made possible for you by the gift of a child and in a son named Jesus. Let me pray, and let's gather around the table and celebrate this indescribable gift together. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, thank you for the gifts given to us. Thank you that Jesus became flesh and blood just like us and moved into our neighborhood. We've seen the light he brought into our dark places, and it has given us confidence. It's given us hope. It's given us joy. And as we gather around these emblems left for us by Jesus himself, we are humbled by how much you love us. And it's in the name of Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, the indescribable gift that we pray. And all the people said, amen. If you're sitting in one of the front rows, would you start our communion celebration? start before the beginning of time. No point of reference spoke to the dark, fleshed out the wonder of light. And as you speak, The stars are made to worship, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you made. Every burning star is signal fire of grace. If creation sings your praise, so will I. So will I. God of your promise, you don't speak in vain, no syllable empty your voice. For once you have spoken, all nature and science follow the sound of your voice. And as you speak, a hundred billion creatures catch your breath. You've 
So will I, so will I, if the stars were made to worship, so you speak a hundred billion failures disappear where you lost your life so I could find it here if you left the grave behind you so will I I can see your heart in everything Every part designed in a work of art called love. If you gladly chose surrender, so will I. I can see your heart a billion different ways. Every precious one, a child you died to save. Like you 
What measure could amount to your desire? You're the one who never leaves the one behind. And the light of the world has come. And as we celebrate that this evening, we're going to stand together. And we're going to light our candles to show that the light has come. And that we can pass the light of the world on to the people around us. So as you receive the flame, pass that flame on. Let's stand together and we're going to sing. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him. Born the King of England, oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. King choirs of angels sing in exaltation. Oh, sing, all ye citizens of heaven above. Glory to God, all glory in the highest. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Him, Christ the Lord. Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Jesus, to thee be all glory give. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night. Of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder. A new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. For night divine. Oh, night when Christ was born. Oh, no. 
Thank you for coming and uh, worshiping tonight and uh, telling the story again of the indescribable gift. And here's what we pray, that in all of the gifts that you give um, this weekend, um, that it, all of those will point to the real gift that we've been given, Jesus, the Savior of the world, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Lord and Savior. Let me pray, and um, then I have a couple of announcements to make. I, God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for our worship time together, that we could declare our praise for Jesus, your son, who came into the world as your gift to us. May that impress upon us how we now live, how we go out these doors, how we speak and how we act and how we walk and what we do. May it inform who we are because Jesus loved us enough to die for us and win us back to heaven. In Jesus' name, Emmanuel, God with us, that we pray this prayer.